Hello folks, I'm Joe Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is supported by your gifts, but it's brought to you out of the heart of two ministries. One is Church Partnership Evangelism, where I'm the executive director and have been for over the last 30 years. We're a disciple-making ministry among the nations. To learn more about us, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. The other sponsoring ministry is the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, where I'm the Bible teacher. We meet in the Old White Church in the Warm Springs area of Boise for worship every Sunday at 11. Please consider this my invitation to you to join us. For now, we continue our consideration of Elijah's face-off with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 18. A sacrifice is made to Baal and to God, and both are placed on altars to the respective gods. Prayers made before both these altars. Fire falls upon one altar and one sacrifice, the altar to the God of Israel. God answered in fire for a number of reasons. First, God was presenting himself as a holy God who is not to be trifled with. But as we will eventually learn today, God was also revealing that in his holiness, he would receive the sacrifice for our sins and so take those sins away. Here's the second question. What does this fire demonstrate of God and how God answers the test of prayer and atoning sacrifice? And here's the answer. The fire first, and there's two parts to this. The fire first represents the judgment of God, a holy God, upon sin. It always does. It happened at Sodom and Gomorrah, where God sent fire upon the city in judgment upon their sins. It happened after the tabernacle was established when two of the priests that were to pray for the people brought their incense before the temple, which was to represent the prayers of the people. But in their incense jars was to be burning the fire that they had brought from the altar. But instead, they put their own fire from their campfires in their incense jars to burn their incense as a representation of the prayer of the people of Israel before the tabernacle. And because they brought strange fire, we're told that fire went out from the tabernacle and destroyed them. That's what happened to Nadab and Abihu. They were destroyed. Later on, 250 of the tribe of Korah will say, we have every right to go before the temple and worship God. We have just as much authority. And they wanted to assert themselves in a right to come before God's presence, although it had not been appointed to them. And we're told that fire went out and consumed all 250 of them. Fire. Expression of God's judgment. The Bible says one day the Lord Jesus is going to return to this world. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 7, and 8, and that he's coming with fire. There it says the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God nor obey his gospel. It's there. Fire of judgment is a final sentence that God gives to those who die in their sins apart from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are they whom the Bible says do not have their names written in the book of life. Revelation 20.15 says of these, whosoever's name is not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Fire is God's judgment upon sin. And Elijah directs the people's attention before the altar that he's constructing to their sin. He has already told them, you 
pray to Baal. That's who you've been worshiping. That's who you've been seeking and praying. I'll pray to the Lord Almighty. And then he takes the stones from the broken down altar for the Lord Almighty. And he takes 12 representing those who were for them, the people of Israel. And he says, this is because by the name of Israel you shall be known. And he's pointing out to them that though they should be princes with God, instead they're adulterers with Baal. They've sinned. God has sent a drought upon them, but the heat of the day is not the final judgment. Fire is coming. But here in this passage, the fire falls upon an altar and its sacrifice instead of them. And they had to understand at that moment that God's mercy had come to them as his judgments had been diverted upon the sacrifice instead of landing on them. That's how it always is, by the way. That's how it always ever is. When the Lord Jesus died on the cross, the fire of God's judgment for sin fell on him and not on us. Listen, God is inviting idolaters, those who have turned away from him, to come and crowd in near the altar that he has established through the cross of Jesus Christ and to meet the true God of heaven and earth and serve him alone. And there in that moment, God, who is the final judge of all things, will divert his judgment from falling upon us and from those who have sinned against him. And he allows his fire of judgment to fall instead upon the sacrifice that he's provided for us in Jesus Christ. But fire fell. Understand, fire fell. And judgment fell on him instead of us. Just as here before the people on Mark Carmel, fire falls on the altar instead of on them. It should have been on them, but it falls on the altar. The fire here also represents that this God is receiving the sacrifice unto himself and accepting it. The sacrifice was laid on fire and consumed, and the idea was as as the sacrifice was consumed, and burnt up and the smoke rose into the sky, that it was a visual lesson that what was being offered was ascending to God, it was being received by God, and the fire burning, by the way, under the altar wasn't a common fire. Not the fire that God gave to the people of Israel. The fire that burned under the altar was a fire that was sent by God from heaven. It was God in His holiness receiving the offering and the sacrifice and accepting it. After the temple was built by Solomon, after Solomon dedicated the temple and they laid out the burnt offering for a sacrifice, we're told that at that time fire came out from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Go to Chronicles chapter 7 and let me read to you verses 1 through 3. Prior to this, the very place where the temple was built was established by David. David had sinned. God had brought a a pestilence upon the land. David went to this place that he had purchased in order to set up an altar to make a sacrifice to God. David makes a sacrifice for God for his sins and the sins of the people. And in that moment, fire comes down upon that sacrifice and consumes it. Now, Solomon builds a temple to God in that very place. And he dedicates that temple following the fashion of the instruction that God had given Moses when Moses had made and constructed the tabernacle for the people as the place of worship and sacrifice. And Solomon dedicates this temple that's in Jerusalem, the very temple that still exists at the time that Elijah is making this offering on Mount Carmel. And here's what we read. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices 
And the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord was on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised God, saying, For he is good, his mercy endures forever. What do they understand? God is receiving the sacrifice on their behalf. God has embraced it and accepted and received it in his holy fire. He's left the fire burning. He's left the fire burning on the altar, and that's the fire from which they were to watch over and tend day and night and not let go out, in which the sacrifices continued to be made throughout the time of the existence of the temple. That's actually what happened in the story of the sojourn of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. There, as the people were wandering through the wilderness, God again gave them, or first initially gave them, this instruction of building a tent, a tabernacle where he was to be worshipped. And he gave them all the instruction for the sacrifices that will be made. If you read the book of Leviticus, you'll see he lays out all those sacrifices. And when Moses dedicated that temple, fire came down upon the burnt offering. We're actually told, and I believe it's in Leviticus chapter 6, that the law that's pronounced for the priest was that they were to never let the fire go out from the altar because that fire was kindled by God himself. It was the receiving fire of God himself. Now, on Mount Carmel, at this very moment, we have come to the time, we're told, of the evening sacrifice in Jerusalem. And just as the priest, the Levitical priests are laying out the sacrifice of the burnt offering upon the fire that was kindled by God before Solomon in the temple, and it's happening at that very moment, Now Elijah lays out his sacrifice on Mount Carmel as God instructed, and God sends down that same receiving fire. Receives the sacrifice that's being made. God's fire reveals that he's accepted a way of mercy to satisfy the justice that we deserve. For us, Christ is our sacrifice. How do we know that his offering was enough for our sins? that God has received his atoning sacrifice on our behalf and accepted it. Well, we know that his offering was pleasing to God because like the smoke that ascended from Israel's altar and even this altar that Elijah has constructed, Jesus rose again and ascended into the presence of the Father. The fire that fell on him in judgment also drew him up to the Father in triumph over our sins. And we are released forever in the offering of his sacrifice and the fire of God accepting it and receiving it unto himself. A holy God receiving a pure, spotless sacrifice in our stead and for our sake, our Savior Jesus. How wonderful and what a promise to us. We, no less than the people of Israel, deserve God's judgment. We have all too often traded God out for our own self-idolatry And the Lord has let fall on him the iniquity of us all and accepted it with fire. Here's the third question. Why did God send fire first and not rain? Why did God send fire first and not rain? Fire also represents a purging. In the Bible, it represents a cleansing and purifying which God brings to us when he comes to us in his holiness. Once he's accepted the sacrifice he's made from us, 
once he has diverted the judgment that should fall upon us and received the atoning sacrifice on our behalf, the fire remains, and the fire remains to purify us and cleanse us. We read Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 in our scripture reading this morning. Let me read to you just the first three verses. There the prophet Malachi puts together the mission of John the Baptist, proclaiming the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and the ministry of purpose of Jesus Christ in his coming in these three verses in Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. That's John the Baptist. He comes to prepare the way and make people know what the ministry of Jesus Christ is to be. And the Lord whom you will seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts, but who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. And he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Please join us in our next broadcast as we answer the question, why does God send fire before he sends rain? The answer may change the way you look at your life. Until then, this has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and its missions fellowship in Boise, the Bread of Life. To listen to the full length of this sermon or to listen again to this radio message, go to breadoflifeboise.org and there you'll find links. You'll also learn about our ministry and what we're doing to make disciple-making disciples and plant church-planting churches around the world. Your prayers and support for this ministry are deeply needed and greatly appreciated. Now until the next time, may God bless you.